Welcome to the European Lens with me, Francis Fitzgerald. Throughout the series, we're going to look at the issues dominating the conversation in the European Parliament, and hopefully we'll bring you closer to the arguments, closer to the action, and closer to the issues that impact you every day. Today, we're focusing on the issue of EU-owned resources. What does that actually mean? How does Europe fund itself? And what's the future of EU and Irish taxation policy? Later, I'll speak to two MEPs, experts in EU taxation, Lydia Pereira and Paul Tang. We'll also get the perspective of the Irish Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue. But first, I chatted to Dan O'Brien, the well-known economist. Dan, to kick us off, could you give us a bit of background on the EU budget and how it impacts member states? I think one of the big things to, to point out about the EU budget is just how small it actually is. That, you know, in many ways, the EU is a, a sort of federal government. It does a number of things uh, in, 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 in how we govern ourselves in Europe. Uh, but most of those things, nearly all of those things, don't involve spending much money. Uh, the EU budget amounts to uh, only about one fiftieth of what a public expenditure in in the EU. So it really is very small. And I know that you know people who watch Europe, the European Union closely, uh, it's always a big, big, long debate and discussion about how the EU budget is uh, is agreed and who gets what and who pays what. But just from an economic perspective, it's always important to sort of say that it really is you know a debate about the margin at the margin. So it's a, it's it's actually really not. Uh, a big, it doesn't have a big impact e- either on the public fa- finances of the member states or in terms of stimulating the European economy because the amounts are so small relative to the overall economy. Dan, how does this new emphasis on the debate about own resources, how will this change the approach uh, to tax in Europe? Well, if, if the EU continues to integrate further and if the member states give greater powers to Brussels that involve spending money, then money will have to be raised. And we, we saw that over the summer when the pandemic recovery fund was agreed. And this raised questions about how what, how money would be raised to pay for this. And a really big breakthrough in the history of European integration happened in the summer when it was agreed that um, the EU institutions would would borrow money uh, co- collectively on behalf of the members, uh, and this that, that because up to now um, money spent by the EU institutions was raised through, as you mentioned, own resources. That was the institutions would take a little sliver of the VAT collected, the value added tax collected in each member state, and it would take most of the import taxes from outside the EU that what's levied on goods coming from, say, the United States or or China, that when there's a, an import tax on those coming into the EU, most of that money goes to, to the EU. Um, question now is how to change that. My, my own personal view is that taxation should be transparent. And it's the really complex way that these own resources are calculated uh, is very far from transparent. Even, even you know, European people with great expertise in European affairs yeah, struggle to get their heads around it. And my, my instinct on this would be that, you know, we, we should probably go towards something like a one cent in the euro income tax uh, that would be an EU tax and that people are very clear about uh, where the money comes from and um, 
that would be a more transparent way of going about it. Now, that's certainly not on the agenda. There's a whole range of new proposals now, as you, as you know, and as your, your colleagues in the parliament are debating in terms of how to raise new money, uh, whether it's to do with taking a, taking a sliver of corporation tax or whether it's putting a carbon tax on goods coming to the EU. So there are a lot of issues, uh, ideas and suggestions around that. My own preference would be something a lot more transparent so citizens see clearly where the money is coming from and that things that are being paid for by Brussels ultimately are paid for by taxpayers. I also spoke to Lydia Pereira, a Portuguese MEP, who gave me her perspective on this topic of EU own resources. The EU own resources reform was already an urgent challenge before the outbreak. If we take into consideration that the last major reform concerning own resources was in 1988, so we are talking about 32 years ago, where we were 12 member states, so less than uh, half than we are today. The European Parliament has been a great advocate for this reform, particularly after Brexit. A decision on the own resources system became a priority. We are talking about the loss of a net contributor for the European budget. And so we faced the need for a decision to balance the dimension of the, of the so-called traditional own resources. So with the UK leaving, it became a reality that the EU had to uh, move forward with the agenda on own resources. And uh, the reform was already important in 2019. It became a top priority in the beginning of this year. And facing the pandemic and facing the economic consequences of the pandemic, uh, it is a matter of uh, emergency. So uh, the the uh, the outbreak uh, of COVID-19 is uh, accelerating the changes that we already needed in the past. With the program Next Generation EU um, uh, having a budget of 750 billion, uh, we will have a major financial uh, needs uh, to, to channel funds in an effective way, but also in a second phase to repay our, um, our common debt. Our own Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue, joined me to continue the discussion. Pascal, thanks for joining us. Has the COVID pandemic reframed the debate on own resources? And is Ireland an outlier in this whole debate? Oh, it's fundamentally changed uh, the debate on own resources. You're 100% correct. Um, And in my uh, over three years participating in this debate, there's now a marked change in the own resources debate because the demand for additional expenditure and grants has grown so much because of COVID-19. Are we an outlier? Uh, No, we're not. Uh, Every country who is in the own resources debate has its own national priorities. And when you're a parliamentarian or member of government, advanced in progressing your national interest within such a debate, you always feel that you have a particular issue or set of interests that other countries do not. Uh, But I have seen this debate now unfold in many different ways over recent years, and every country has national priorities that it is trying to secure and project, and we are no different to any other country in that regard. So in future, what would you see as our national priorities within this debate, Pascal? I think it's about getting the balance right between the level of resources that are available to a country over which it can make its own national decisions 
and the amount of resources that are available to the European Union uh, over which it can make its own decisions. So I think that's a, a, a priority that all member states will share in terms of issues that will be particularly important to Ireland. I'd be very eager to try to uh, help the debate develop in a, in a kind of a measured uh, way. I think it's really important that we try to get the balance right between a European Union that can fund itself um, and fund measures that matter to it and therefore to its member states, but continuing to ensure that we are open, that we are competitive and that we place a value on, on trade and on the recognition of the competitiveness of all member states within the EU. How then do you balance this push for a new own resources with the fact that taxation is a national competence? And we've been very careful to guard that over the years. Are we going to change our position on that now? Oh, I think you'll see uh, our uh, priorities from a general taxation point of view continue to be unchanged. We believe there are certain elements of uh, uh, taxation uh, that must remain uh, those that national governments can determine. Uh, but we do accept that uh, uh, there is going to be change in this area and Ireland has to and will play a constructive role in that debate. Every single country has national priorities that they will look to protect in this debate. And I have seen again and again a country say, you know, we are in favour, for example, of an increased level of own resources in one area of taxation. But when the, the debate moves into an area that is sensitive to them, they then look to protect their national interest in that area. So I think at times when uh, politicians are making the case for issues that matter to their own country, they're understandably sensitive to that. And they understandably think that, uh, you know, their particular interests are ones that other countries don't, uh, don't identify in the same way. But every single country in this debate will have a balance that they will want to strike between what the new level of own resources will be and recognition of uh, national decision making in particular areas. How urgent do you think this debate is? Well, I think we understate just how much progress that we do make in taxation areas within the European Union. In the last four to five years, for example, there have been over 20 significant changes that have been made in areas of tax policy within the European Union that are significant. And for example, at the moment within ECOFIN, uh, which is the group of finance ministers um, it is the finance ministers of the European Union on our monthly meeting. We, for example, uh, have a debate underway in relation to administrative uh, cooperation in areas of taxation. Um, and uh, I'd be confident that we will get agreement there. Uh, so there are many examples in which agreement has been reached in relation to new forms of cooperation within the area of general taxation. In relation to the debates that are now underway, my judgment would be is that there will be, uh, it will be possible to make progress within the area of how uh, taxes on plastics can make a contribution to own resources. I think that is something that can be done. Uh, but in, in, in other areas, um, uh, progress can happen, but progress is very, very quick. 
Uh, and for example, I would look at the issues in relation to the border adjustment tax and uh, you know carbon adjustment levies. Um, and even though this is a debate that's been underway for a while within the European Union, I think it's fair to say there still isn't sufficient clarity regarding how a new form of taxation like that would be introduced without significantly undermining forms of global trade that the EU participates in. Um, and I think, for example, they are still really critical areas that need to be teased out. You've talked about how countries look after their own interests. Is there any chance of agreement, for example, in the coming year on digital tax or the other taxes? Well, what I think member states look to do is try to get the balance right between uh, uh, areas of a very pure national interest and then other areas in which they believe their national interests are met through enhanced European cooperation, which in turn they also believe uh, bolsters and strengthens uh, the European interests and the European Union. So I think member states are always looking to get the balance right. In the area of consolidated tax base in corporate taxation, there are many, many countries who uh, have concerns in relation to that. And uh, I see those concerns being shared quite regularly. In relation to digital taxation, uh, I do believe uh, that the way in which we tax global companies is going to change um, in the coming 12 to 18 months. Um, and I believe change will happen on a global level in relation to that. But I think one important area that will then require very careful engagement on is if agreement is made in relation to new forms of taxation, the debate then needs to begin regarding how the revenue from those new forms of taxation will then be distributed between member states and the European Union. So in other words, if agreement is reached regarding new areas of taxation, there's not always an inevitability that that's going to feed through to all of that contributing to a higher level of own resources. And that is uh, an example of why change in this area uh, is, does take time uh, because these are really, really important areas. Um, but change will come, Francis. Ireland will play a constructive role in that. I do accept uh, that there will be renewed focus and renewed demand for own resources in the coming years. And as Finance Minister of Ireland, um, I'll certainly play my part in trying to reach agreements in those areas that get the balance right between areas that uh, matter to Ireland and areas in which I accept there are European interests and therefore Irish interests in which we will want to make agreement in. Are we likely to have agreement at an OECD level uh, for a new international tax framework by mid-2021? I do think agreement can be reached. I, well, you know, I know what the European Commissioner is saying. It has always been my view, and it has been since the summer, that the um, current status of the OECD engagement should be seen as being paused rather than being concluded. Um, and I always thought it was very difficult to bring these matters to conclusion in advance of a presidential election in the US. Uh, 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 so I do believe uh, that once uh, that political process has concluded, there will be a window of opportunity in which um, it, 
is very possible that agreement will be reached within the OECD. I also spoke to Paul Tang. He's been a vocal critic of Ireland's approach to taxation over the years. I think Ireland, but not only Ireland, in all fairness, but Ireland is seen as one of the pirates in uh, in Europe. You come into another country and till the tax base of other countries. Ireland is not alone in that. I come from the Netherlands, which has a similar reputation. And in the European Parliament, it becomes very clear what the reputation of the Netherlands is, how my colleagues look at the Netherlands. Uh, but the same uh, same holds true for Ireland. More formally, it's put like uh, Ireland enables aggressive tax planning. Uh, uh, but okay, that boils down uh, in the eyes of the general public as uh, you're being a pirate and stealing uh, tax base from others. I don't hold back because I come from a country with a similar, very similar reputation. Small jurisdictions that engage in a form of tax competition that is damaging the world. Uh, that means that some of the big corporates, not all big corporates, but some of the big corporates hardly pay taxes, much to their uh, to the favor of their owners. But also, it also means that uh, the, the the wealthy can hide their wealth in uh, in jurisdictions. Um, that don't share information. Recently, I read it's not even about the 1% of the richest. It's the 1% of the 1% that benefits from these uh, tax, cons- tax constructions. They own half of the wealth that is hidden um, in, uh, in jurisdictions like Bahamas and Bermuda. What would you like to see changed? Quite a few things need to change. First of all, uh, we need to uh, tackle tax avoidance as much as possible. Uh, and the European Parliament is the only European institute that dares to speak the names of those countries that are not to be mentioned. Uh, it's Ireland, Luxembourg and the Netherlands. We need to tackle uh, the aggressive tax planning in those countries. That's instrumental for uh, for cracking down on tax avoidance. Second, we need a structural reform. For example, the corporate tax system is completely out of date. It comes from the start of the 20th century. We're now living in the early 21st century and globalization and digitalization have outdated the system. So we need a reform. Part of that reform can be done within the OECD, where it for, it's, for example, the discussion on minimum effective tax rate. And third of all, I think what we need right now, we're in double jeopardy. We need to recover from the COVID crisis and we need to move uh, towards a sustainable society. So that means that we need to do everything to accomplish this twin assignment and uh, creating the tax system will be part of that. If we fast forward three or so years, what's the issue going to look like? I'm pretty confident that we will see uh, on resources uh, within the EU. I'm pretty sure we'll see rather drastic reforms in the in the tax system and a crackdown on tax uh, tax avoidance how that exactly will work out i don't know but i'm pretty sure that uh, the tide is turning and especially after the covid crisis because throughout the political spectrum from right to left everyone thinks that everyone should pay its fair share if you were ireland given that the tide is turning as you say uh, what would you suggest that ireland does to get ahead of this I think Ireland is in so much better condition that it doesn't need to rely on tax avoidance. I think Ireland has many things to speak uh, for. Uh, and economically, that means uh, you're English speaking, you're well located, you're, you provide access to the EU. So you will be perfectly capable to, uh, to keep that role uh, without tax avoidance. 
Back to Dan O'Brien and looking to the future. I asked him how he sees the debate around own resources developing. Um, this is a really big one for, for Ireland, of course, because of the importance of the multinational sector here, which pays a huge amount of corporation tax and funds uh, so much uh, government expenditure in Ireland. My, my own view has always been that we, we in Ireland tend to exaggerate the, the threat uh, to Ireland uh, over this. Um, ultimately, in the EU, every country has a veto, and there have been many times where attempts have been made to introduce various types of taxes. And when you start getting into the nitty gritty, different countries then find that they have aspects of it that they don't like. And there has been very little uh, advance in, in the area of, of, of taxing multinationals. Now, in the specific area of tech, uh, of tech companies, there really is a strong, a really strong desire to, to, to raise more money from those tech companies. Um, but even there, and there's a good case for it as well, uh, but even there, this the inertia problem is great because you know you need unanimity amongst 27 member states and so often um, different people pop up for different reasons and, and, and don't want change and see downsides to change. So that inertia factor has actually over the years benefited Ireland in the sense that you know, Ireland hasn't been forced to change its corporation tax rate. And that, incidentally, was even true exactly 10 years ago when we were bailed out, the moment of maximum weakness for Ireland, where pressure really could have been put on us to, to radically change our corporation tax rate. And even then, uh, it didn't happen. So broadly speaking, I think the, the threat to Ireland's corporation tax arrangements from an EU level uh, is generally exaggerated. And I don't see it having a, a major impact in the medium term. Has COVID changed the debate, given the level of borrowing both nationally and European-wide? Uh, COVID's changed everything. And I, I, it's, I'm not sure this is, you know, it's, it's really uh, come out, you know, particularly, you know, to be blunt, you know, Italy was very close to going Greek uh, even before this crisis. It's at very high levels of, of uh, public debt, very low economic growth, and its public debt was t- very tightly bound up with its financial system. And, you know, as you'll know, uh, certainly officials in, in Brussels, you know, it was something long before anyone had occurred, heard of COVID, you know, officials in Brussels were kept awake at night by the, the, the fear that, that things could get out of control, out of hand in Italy. Now we've been hit by a, you know, a recession that is just off the scale in terms of uh, any previous recession. And, you know, that has pushed Italy and some other Southern European countries into a really, really difficult position. You know, the recovery fund is partly an effort to shore up those countries and and, and, and prevent them going into a situation that, that Greece went into 10 years ago. Um, but that will be, you know, that will be, you know, a huge challenge for the decade to come, how to how to prevent um, some countries uh, sliding into that kind of Greek style disaster um, that had major implications for the entire Eurozone. 10 years ago, but that that will be a a, a huge policy challenge for the European Union for for probably, you know, the rest of the decade, if not longer. Does the public debate in Ireland on taxation uh, need to change? Uh, We react very, very quickly when there is ever any mention of own resources, particularly, of course, the corporate tax base, which, you know, we as a country will always protect, uh, I imagine. But does the public debate need to change uh, in Ireland on, on this issue? You know, I've lived in six other European countries and studied, worked on many more. I've always been a bit perplexed by um, our attitude towards towards tax and spending. Um, uh, 
I, I, I've always got the impression that Irish people sort of pay their taxes and the taxes go into basket A and then government spending comes from basket B and people don't really link their their taxes with what's spending and everybody wants more spending and there's not a connection between between taxation and you know one example of that is you get less discussion about wasteful government spending in Ireland than most other countries um, there's just people don't seem to be as concerned about what happens to their taxes so uh, on that basis I, I suspect that you know the, the own resources issue is not going to get much traction in Ireland and the fact that we've gone from being a net ben- beneficiary of the EU budget to being a significant net contributor again you know like for, to compare with the United Kingdom, for example, that that has never really got traction in the public debate here. There's never been any major, um, you know, backlash against that. Um, it really is just not an issue that people uh, people and certainly as a, as, a, as a politician, correct me if I'm wrong, Francis. But the impression I get from people is that they are just not too concerned about uh, about the, that, that issue. Finally, Dan, could I ask you: Is our tax approach? an obstacle to a strong working relationship with the EU, do you think, or could it be in the future? Yeah, well, you know, as, as you'll know, there certainly are particular countries uh, in the EU that feel strongly that Ireland is, is, is that Ireland's tax system is not benefiting them um, within the institutions. There would be a general view that that's the case. Um, and of course, within some political parties uh, in the European Parliament, more of those on the left, would, would feel that, but not exclusively. Um, so yes, it, it is an issue. I, I personally think it's it's overblown. I often point out to my friends and colleagues in, in Paris and Berlin, you know, German and French corporation tax revenues are doing very well. There, there is often a perception in those two capitals that they are losing out corporation tax revenues to pay for their hospitals and schools because of something Ireland is doing. But I always point out, let's just look at the, the facts. Um, what is happening to corporation tax receipts in, in in France and Germany, they're very strong. Over the decades, there has been no fall off in the amount of money uh, Germany and France take in in corporation tax, be it measured against uh, GDP or against uh, overall taxation. And that always surprises people in, uh, in, in Berlin and Paris when you just point out those basic facts to them. And I, I would certainly strongly urge uh, public representatives to, to highlight those facts because there's a perception that Ireland is taking massive amounts of corporation tax away from other member states uh, and that is just not true it's factually not true and, and those facts do need to be highlighted in my view. I've certainly heard it said quite a number of times since I became an MEP uh, Dan but I'm wondering if other countries are as upfront about their actual rates of corporate tax as we in Ireland are. Um, well, I, look, you know, different countries use different different ways of doing things, and a, a lot of cu- countries have higher. Most countries in Europe have higher headline corporation tax rates, but have m- more ways of reducing their tax bill with various kind of write offs and, and exemptions, and and the effective rate of corporation tax as opposed to just the headline rate. The gap is smaller, so Ireland is has a has a kind of again simplicity and taxation is an important principle. Ireland has, uh, you know, a twelve percent corporation tax rate, but few write offs. So the effective rate of corporation tax in Ireland and and the headline rate are very similar. In other countries, there's a bigger gap. Um, so you know, I think the Irish approach generally um, has been has been good, and you know. Clearly, companies like it, and it's one of the reasons, only one, that so many multinationals base themselves in Ireland to access the European single market. What I'm clearly picking up from you, Dan, is that it's a more complex debate than it's sometimes presented as, uh, both in Ireland and in the EU, that's for sure. 
Oh, absolutely. And you know, another point I'd make, Francis, is that you know VAT evasion and losses in the VAT system in Europe cost European governments more than any of the biggest estimates of uh, corporate tax avoidance. Um, and, and again, you know, we hear very little about issues around VAT, the loss in VAT due to a whole range of things, both evasion and avoidance. Uh, yet there's an almost obsessive focus on uh, corporation tax avoidance, which of course does happen. I'm not in any way denying that it happens. And I fully agree with the OECD approach that a global approach is needed to uh, to ensure that uh, excessive avoidance doesn't happen by clever multinationals and their accountants, um, but that the, the the scale of the problem is hugely overblown. And again, as I say, when I point this out, when I point out some basic figures about corporation tax revenues in France and Germany over the decades, almost inevitably Germans and, and, and French are quite stunned by their own tax revenue figures. And again, that's 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 just how debates can go. Some, sometimes people can get a view in their heads that's not based on evidence uh, and, and you know, hugely exaggerate the scale of the issue. And that's very much the case when it comes to corporation tax avoidance in Europe um, and in, in Ireland's case in particular. Thanks to all my guests for their insights. It's very clear that the issue of own resources and how the EU funds itself is very complex and challenging. But given the onset of COVID-19 and the huge amount of debt we're accumulating, the EU needs to find new ways to generate its own revenue to repay this debt. Whether we like it or not, this debate on own resources and taxation will intensify in the coming years. And as Pascal Donoghue said, Ireland will need to play its part. Thanks again for listening. We will be back soon with another episode of The European Lens.